Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God, our Father, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Happy Transfiguration Day to you. Well, thank you, yes. That's not one you hear very often walking down the street, is it? Happy Transfiguration to you. Maybe it's not even happy. Maybe it would be like an enlightened happy Transfiguration. I don't know how you would greet people on Transfiguration. Because it blessed Transfiguration. Maybe that's a good one. But we don't use this as like an equivalent to Easter or Christmas, but this is a very important day in the life of the church, in the life of a Christian, in your lives. It's a very important day because this day is the day when we remember and are made aware that it is a big responsibility for Christians to be prepared, to pay attention as I used to say in my football days, to have your head on a swivel, to be looking around and keenly aware of your surroundings. I think a lot of times our kind of modern life is structured to give us things to, to draw our chin down to our chest and, and, and keep our eyes off of the, the world around us and centered on the thing that's you know, right immediately present in, our, in the front of our face. But there are, there are other things around us going on. Sometimes there's so many noisy things going on all around us where our heads are spinning and we don't focus on the simple thing right in front of us. Transfiguration is a good reminder that there's an important thing right in front of us that the world misses and God calls us as his people not to miss but to pay attention to. Yesterday, we had the opportunity as a family to drive around a lot. I don't know if you ever have days like that where you spend time thinking, this will be a low-key weekend, and then you find yourself on the road most of the day going from this place to that. All fun things, but, but things that require you to be out on the road a lot. That's where I, I was yesterday with my family, and I was driving around and paying attention to cars and trying to do a good job of sort of defensive driving, and I quickly realized there were some things that I had missed on the road. I had missed the fact that there were a couple of orange cones, as I found out later when I looked in my rearview mirror. I had missed a sign that said, workers ahead. I had missed the construction next .5 miles sign that we all drive by so many times in the week and never pay attention to. And I was realizing that about 150 yards ahead of my car going 60 miles an hour, there were cones laid out in a diagonal pattern telling you you need to merge or you're going to collide with a cement mixer, right? And there were plenty of signs along the way from a mile behind me that I had missed because I was too busy paying attention to everything else. But this diagonal set of cones and this giant flashing sign with an arrow saying, get over, get over, that finally got my attention. Along with the enormous cement mixer that would have turned my car into an accordion. So I got over into the next lane. I had to slow way down to merge into traffic. And then we were fine. But, you know, I should have seen the signs. I should have seen them coming far before I actually did. And to me, this is a great analogy that God gave me to help me preach this sermon today on transfiguration. Because transfiguration is that giant flashing sign with the cones going diagonally and the cement mixer 
right behind it. But we should have seen the signs before we got to this point. If the transfiguration is the event that, that convinces you that Jesus truly is the Son of God, then you've been missing out on all that Jesus has been doing in the narrative. But if you happen to miss all of those little cones and those road worker signs ahead, if you missed all those little signs and those little kind of nudges that Jesus was giving you in his ministry and in his life, the transfiguration moment is the, hey, pay attention, it's upon you kind of sign. So that's what happened with Peter and James and John, right? They were Jesus' disciples. And they think they, they kind of had a good idea about who he was, at least they thought that they knew, but they were distracted. They were seeing the ministry that Jesus was doing, and they were seeing all the people that they had to serve, and, and all of the little smaller miracles as just part of the routine of who Jesus, their rabbi, was, and, and the mission that he came to do, but they didn't see the bigger picture. And so what does Jesus do? Well, God sends this very special sign to make sure nobody has a question about who Jesus is. He sets the stage and says, okay, if I were to create an absolutely perfect identifier of who Jesus was, the first thing I would do is I would shine all of the theater spotlights on him. So that's what he does. He turns Jesus bright white. The epistle lesson says that, that it was like all of the lights were shining on him, like all the lights shining in a dark place. And we were called to pay attention to it. And this is exactly what happened to Jesus, right? He was, he was absolutely magnificent, majestic, and, and illuminated in front of his disciples. That alone should have been like, okay, this guy's different, right? He's not just your average everyday Joe. He's divine of some sense, right? I know the sun's shining on me and I'm wearing white robes, but I'm not that bright. I'm not literally creating my own light and shining it into your eyes. If I were doing that, you might say, oh, there's something a little different about this guy. Maybe we should call someone from nuclear research to see if he's, you know, irradiated and needs help. Now, that's the first sign, the light. Then, after that, he also sends sign, a very powerful sign. He takes the most prominent guy from the Old Testament, the guy who wrote the first five books of the Bible, Moses, and puts him on one side, and then he goes and he plucks the guy who's the most prolific prophet of the Old Testament, Elijah, and he puts him on Jesus' right side, with Jesus right in the middle for Peter and James and John and us to see. And he says, look, the prophets point to Jesus, the law points to Jesus, Oh yeah, and those guys down there, for you guys in the future, Peter, James, and John, they are the New Testament. They point to Jesus. So all of my word testifies about who this guy, Jesus, is, that he's the Son of God. So that's the second thing he does. First is the light. Second is the, the powerful men around him. And then, if you didn't get that point, guess what happens next? God says, if you still don't know who this Jesus is, check this out. This is my son. And some of us are still blockheaded enough to not get it. This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. By the way, listen to him. 
And some of us still don't get it. Even <laughs> to some degree, Peter doesn't get it when he says, well, let's, this is really good. Let's build a, a, a place for you to stay and a place for Moses and Elijah to stay as well. And let's keep you here. And God's like, this is not the point of this. This revelation to you is not so that you'll have these mighty glowing men here with you on a mountaintop where no one can see them. Instead, this whole purpose is for you to know truly who this man is. This Jesus is not just your rabbi. He's not just a, a nice man. He's not just a healer. He's not just a guy who has good sayings and can perform miracles. Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus is the same being who created heaven and earth. Jesus is the same essence and spirit as the one who sustains it each and every day, who shepherded the, the children of Israel through the wilderness, who put together a, a path and a plan for the redemption of mankind. This Jesus who you think you know, who you eat with, who you walk on the road with, who you, who you hear when he teaches, who, who you follow, this is not just some guy. This is the guy. This is who this whole giant book is about. This is really who this whole giant reality and existence is all about. This one man, Jesus. He is my son. I am well pleased in him listen to him. That's what transfiguration is. It is this giant flashing light so that we cannot miss who Jesus is. Now, interestingly, Jesus' command is to say, this is to let everybody know who I, who I am, but don't tell anybody. How does that work, right? We've just seen Jesus glowing. We've seen him stand next to, to the manifestations of the law and the prophets in the flesh. We've seen, him, we've seen him stand under a cloud as a voice from heaven declares he is the second person of the divine trinity from forever to forever. How are we, not, how are we supposed to not tell everybody? How are we supposed to keep this to ourselves? And this is what Jesus says. He says, keep it to yourselves until I'm not with you anymore. And then tell everybody. And then let everyone know all about this and all the signs and miracles that you have seen me do. And then when people are confronted with this evidence... When people see all of these events and all of these signs and all of these declarations about who Jesus is, they will be forced to contend with that evidence and to make a determination about whether it's true or whether it's false. So I'm driving on the road and I see cones. I can say, oh, that's funny. There are some cones that fell off one of those construction trucks. I can keep driving and I can see a sign that says, caution, workers ahead. And I can say, well, that's kind of interesting. I wonder why that sign's there. Oh, well, I can keep driving until I see cones in a diagonal angle and say, oh, that's so strange that they set up a roadside hazard there. I wonder if there's anything I need to pay attention to. 
I can see the flashing arrow and I can say, oh, how cool, they've got some Christmas lights up there. I can see the cement truck right ahead of me and go, oh, wow, they have a holographic projection of a cement truck in the middle of the road, and then I can explode. Whoops, I missed the signs. That's what the transfiguration is. If we miss the transfiguration, we miss everything. We miss the reason why he has to go and die, the reason why he has to be resurrected from the dead. We miss who Jesus is and what he says and what God has to say about that as well. The transfiguration is a hinge point in human history where God himself says, this right here is the reason for all of the rest of it. This man, Jesus, standing before you is the reason why I made you in Genesis. He's the reason why I brought the people of Israel through the wilderness to get to this point in time, this hinge point in history where Jesus stands on the mountain and is transfigured. Because from here, he goes to finish the mission. He goes to, to, towards Jerusalem, headlong barreling towards it. That's why we celebrate transfiguration on the Sunday before Lent begins. On the Sunday before Ash Wednesday where we begin to march our way towards Jerusalem. Because Jesus knows this moment, this transfiguration moment, there's no going back. There's no turning around. Everything is forward momentum to the cross from this point on. Because Jesus is at the center of all of it. He is the reason undergirding every other thing we see, can observe, or know. He is the foundation of knowing itself, the very Word of God. And God says, this is my Son. If you want to know anything, if you want to know who you are, if you want to know what your identity is, if you want to know why the earth spins, if you want to know why the sky is blue, Listen to him. Listen to him. He is the answer. He is the reason for everything else I have done. That's what the Father declares. And so at transfiguration, we need to have our eyes open. We need to be keenly aware of what God is doing. He is setting in motion the things that will give purpose to your life, that will make your days and your, and your existence have meaning. Jesus launches forward into his final steps of his mission to accomplish the forgiveness of sins, to take what went wrong in Eden and reverse it, to turn your fortune from one of condemnation to one of salvation. To turn your, your relationship to God from one of separation to one of love and closeness. So everything we touch is touched by this transfiguration moment. And in this moment where Jesus is, is illuminated, where he's standing next to these powerful representations of the, the, the Old Testament law and prophets... When God himself declares Jesus as the Son of God, 
and where the, the onlookers of the disciples, Peter, James, and John, are observing and communicating this to all human history, we find ourselves there in that story too. We find our lives rooted in this story because God declares, this is my son. This is the one I said I would send. This is the one who reverses your fortune. This is the one who redeems your Eden. This is the one who gives you an eternity with me rather than separated from me. This moment, this transfiguration moment, it propels us too with Jesus to the cross and then to the grave and then out of that grave again. But I don't want to get too far ahead of myself. It's just transfiguration. We have Lent, we have Good Friday, we have Easter, and they're coming. But the transfiguration reminds us that we need to pay attention, be aware of what's going on around us, keep our heads on a swivel, because we don't want to miss it. We don't want to blaze right past this Lenten season right past this Good Friday, right past this Easter, and not realize that that shapes our existence, our lives, our meaning, our purpose. So pay attention at transfiguration. Be aware. And give thanks to God for revealing His Son to you. Amen. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord God, Heavenly Father, for giving us a revelation, giving us the transfiguration, that we can know your son Jesus, know who he is, know what he has come to do, and that we can place our hope and our trust in him. We give thanks that you have given us this sign, these eyewitnesses, this account from Peter. We pray that you will help us to put our confidence and trust in Jesus so that we might be forgiven and also given a new life and a new fortune, a new purpose in you. We pray this all in Jesus' name and all God's people said, Amen. Amen.